Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, July 8th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So, you've got this new kid in school. He got bullied a lot at his old school, so he wants to make an impression. He's afraid that if he doesn't act tough, everybody's going to think he's a chicken. And then he'll get picked on all over again. So he goes out on the playground and he acts like a big tough guy. Here's the problem. He's not really a tough guy. As my dad used to say, he's writing checks his body can't cash. Now, the other kids, they might buy it for a minute or two, but you know, they see through it. It's not going to take them long to see through the ruse, right? So this pretty much describes the Fed to me. You know, we've got all of this tough talk. Jerome Powell is going to kick inflation's ass, and a lot of people are buying into the show, right? But I know better. The Federal Reserve doesn't have what it takes to really be tough on inflation. At least that's how I see things. So before we really get rolling into the show, full disclosure, I'm traveling to Michigan on Friday morning. I have to speak at an event there over the weekend, so I'm actually recording this on Thursday evening. Normally, I do my show prep on Friday morning and then record. Um, I figured early is better than never, right? Uh, But of course, I won't be able to get into the uh, employment data that's supposed to come out Friday morning uh, or some of the other news that may come out tonight. But... um, We can still talk about some of the stuff that happened earlier this week. In particular, I'm going to focus in on the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting minutes that came out on Wednesday. And uh, as I'm sure you're aware, we had another big leg down in gold and silver this week, in particular on Wednesday after those FOMC minutes came out. Uh, In fact, gold broke below the 1750 level, um, and we haven't seen gold this low in quite a while. But really, it's just a replay of the same narrative we've been seeing for months. Uh, We're having a lot of dollar strength, and this is due to the fact that a lot of people, um, you know, they they think the Fed is going to follow through on this whole tightening thing. A a Reuters article really summed it up. Uh, The dollar is strong because investors are basking in both expectations for, quote, aggressive Federal Reserve interest rate rises and safe haven appeal stemming from global recession fears. Now, honestly, it's kind of weird to me that people view the dollar as a safe haven. I my brain doesn't work that way at all. But, you know, I guess being the cleanest shirt in the poo pile has some advantages. Now, interestingly, there is some indication that faith in the dollar is slowly eroding. According to UBS Asset Management's annual reserve manager survey, about 85% of central banks said they are invested in or are considering investing in the Chinese yuan. Now, that's up from 81% just a year earlier. Meanwhile, the average share of U.S. dollar holdings dropped to 63% as of June 2022, according to that survey. This was down from 69% in the previous year. According to Business Insider, the response to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia has increased talk about a multipolar world in which the U.S. is no longer the overwhelmingly dominant force. Uh, 
Now, peering into the crystal ball, there may come a time when American policymakers can't depend on the dollar's position as the reserve currency as a shield uh, that allows them to basically do anything they want. You know, they've weaponized the dollar um, and they've printed trillions and trillions of dollars and they've been able to get away with it because the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency. You know, I don't see it falling off of that perch tomorrow, but it's clear that we're seeing some erosion in this. It's definitely something uh, that we should be watching. But for now, we have this dollar strength. We'll see how long it lasts. So I want to dig a little into this Fed narrative. The minutes from the June FOMC meeting came out on Wednesday, as I mentioned already, and that seemed to spark Uh, the big sell-off in gold. Again, the narrative is the Fed is going to keep tightening, even though there are signs of a recession. The Fed is resolute. I mean, it's dug in for the fight, right? The central bankers are laser-focused on inflation. And most people seem to think the economic downturn that may result, it's going to be mild and short. And also, the Fed is going to whip inflation. Now, You know, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know I have a very different take. You may recall that after the June FOMC meeting and the Fed's big 75 basis point interest rate hike, I actually argued that the central bank is basically just winging it. My reading between the lines in the minutes from that June meeting seemed to bear this out. The Fed appears to be just totally in reaction mode. You know, it's not being proactive. It's just reacting to the data that's in front of it. The question becomes, what will it react to next? And how long will these people stay hawkish as the economy tanks? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the economy is tanking. I mean, right now, a lot of people still seem to be in denial, although the markets seem to be waking up to the f- fact that we're having uh, an economic downturn. But, you know, I have a feeling that in a few months, this strong economy is going to go the way of transitory inflation. Anywho, it's pretty clear that the big rate hike was a knee-jerk reaction to the hotter-than-expected May inflation data. You'll recall that just weeks before the June meeting, a three-quarter percent rate hike wasn't even on the table. And then it was. According to the minutes, quote, near-term policy rate expectations shifted markedly toward the end of the period, particularly after the release of the May Consumer Price Index report. Ahead of the release of the report, market expectations reflected a broad consensus that there would be a 50 basis point rate increase at both the June and July FOMC meetings. After the release of the higher-than-expected inflation data, policy-sensitive rates pointed instead to a considerable probability of a 75 basis point moves at both the June and July meetings. So, in a nutshell, Powell and company hoped inflation had peaked earlier in the spring. But with the surprising increase in the CPI, the central bankers felt compelled to go big. Now, remember, Powell actually used the word surprising to describe the inflation data as if they were just totally blindsided by it. I don't know, maybe Jerome Powell should start listening to this podcast because I wasn't remotely surprised. You can go back to March when everybody was talking about peak inflation and listen to me saying, slow down, Jerome, we ain't peaked yet. 
So why did the Fed suddenly ramp things up after the big, unsurprising surprise? Because they were suddenly concerned about their credibility. I mean, they basically admit this in the minutes. Quote, Many participants judged that a significant risk now facing the committee was that elevated inflation could become entrenched if the public began to question the resolve of the committee to adjust the stance of policy as warranted. Now, on a side note, notice the implication here. Inflation is bad because you think it's bad, and it might get worse if you think it's going to get worse. All of those high prices, it's really all in your head. It has nothing to do with these guys printing trillions of dollars out of thin air. No, 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 no. You know what I think we need to do? We need to put together a fund and send a bunch of mirrors to all of the Fed members so they can look into them and see the real source of our problems. So anyway, this is where the little analogy I offered at the beginning of the show comes into play. The Fed members are scared to death. You're not going to think they're tough enough. So they're going to act all gangster. But they aren't tough. And when the economy really starts to tank, I think they're going to fold like an old card table. But for now, they're still strutting their stuff. I mean, the minutes indicate the FOMC expects another big hike in July. I've already alluded to that. I mean, they're talking 75 basis points in June and July. Quote, in discussing potential policy actions at upcoming meetings, participants continue to anticipate that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate would be appropriate to achieve the committee's objectives. In particular, participants judged that an increase of 50 to 75 basis points would likely be appropriate at the next meeting. Now, that all sounds good, looks good on paper, but the central bank has a problem. It has already driven rates very close to the limit. If rates go much higher, there is every reason to believe that the economy will completely implode. I mean, there's already signs that it's pretty shaky. If they go 50 or 75 basis points in July, I'm pretty sure that's going to pop the bubbles and send things over the edge. I mean, think about it. In 2019, 2.5% was the max. At that point, the economy got shaky, the stock market crashed, and the Fed went right back to loose monetary policy. I mean, not that 2.5% interest rates are particularly tight, but, you know, they went back. That was the end of tightening. In 2019, the Fed cut rates three times, and they'd already gone back to quantitative easing, although they didn't call it that. They went back to it even before the pandemic. So what in the heck makes anybody think the Fed can push rates to 3 or 3.5% today? Even though there's more debt in the economy than there was in 2019, a lot more debt. There's a lot more malinvestment. There's a lot more misallocation of resources. And they're going to go to three or three and a half percent? No freaking way. I think part of the problem is that for most people, history, it's about two weeks ago. They don't remember 2019, much less 2007 or the 1990s. Most people don't look at these macro trends. They have no perspective whatsoever. But if you look at the trend in interest rates, you'll see that 
every time there's a recession, the Fed drops interest rates lower and lower. We got to zero after 2008. And then they try to raise rates again. And every time they raise rates, that peak gets lower and lower. So the peak was 2.5% after the 2008 financial crisis. That means if you look at the chart, the peak is lower now. We're basically there. So again, most people don't have any perspective. They basically just salivate over the flavor of the day. They react like Pavlov's dog. I mean, that's pretty much what the Fed is doing. And these are the people who are supposed to be qualified to run the economy. They aren't, by the way, qualified, I mean, if you haven't noticed. As I mentioned earlier, the Fed seems to be completely in reaction mode. There is no long-term plan. My guess is if we see any relief in the June CPI data, the Fed is going to start signaling that they've tightened enough. And some inflation relief does actually seem likely because commodity prices have dropped in anticipation of a recession. Most significantly, the price of oil has dropped. Uh, We've seen gas prices come down a good bit over the last couple of weeks here in Florida. Again, We have the anticipation of recession. This will likely relieve some of the price pressures in the economy. As I talked about in the show last week, I think we will see a little bit of uh, inflation relief, but I think it's a head fake. Another thing that's interesting, I was at Walmart the other day, and there are clearance signs all over the store. So what gives? Well, a lot of these big retailers overstocked inventory, expecting a big boom in sales with the economic recovery post-COVID. Now, nobody can afford anything, uh, but you know the basics. We're spending all of our money on rent and gasoline and food, so we don't have any money left to buy all of this stuff that these stores have stocked up. So now, basically, they're trying to move this inventory. Um, I've seen articles about uh, Target really trying to get their inventory levels down. They don't want to carry all of this inventory, so we, that actually might push prices down a bit. Um, I talked a good bit last week about what I see coming, um, an economic dip, and then a pause in inflation, and then a return to inflation. If you haven't listened to that show, I think it was a pretty good one, so you might want to check it out. So why? Well, I'm pretty certain the Fed will go right back to rate cuts and quantitative easing at the first opportunity. I've said this over and over again. That's the fork they know. That's what they do. Central bankers do not tighten monetary policy into a recession. So I'll be shocked if they keep up the hawkishness when it becomes apparent we're in a recession. And that might be sooner rather than later. In fact, the Atlanta Fed has downgraded its Q2 GDP forecast to negative 2.1%. Yes, you heard me right. Negative 2.1%. Now, a recession is technically defined as back-to-back quarters of negative GDP growth. If the Atlanta Fed's projection of negative growth in Q2 comes to pass, it will couple with the first quarter decline of 1.6% to put the economy solidly in recession territory. That would mean the economy has actually been in an official recession since the first of the year. Now, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but that seems to undercut the strong economy narrative we keep hearing from the Federal Reserve, particularly Jerome Powell, 
and also President Biden uh, and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and pretty much the whole rest of the political class along with their lackeys in the corporate media. Two successive negative GDPs, that's not a strong economy. And yet this whole time, Powell has been saying we have a strong economy. No, we don't. Anyway, that brings us back to the burning question. Will the hawks keep flying? Will this hawkishness keep up if it turns out that we really are in a recession? Will the Fed be willing to go 50 or 75 basis points with the economy sliding and inflation seemingly cooling? I don't think so. And I'm not alone. Rick Rule, the former uh, head of Sprott, He put it this way, the Fed will almost certainly chicken out in this inflation fight. I think it's true. It's the kid on the playground. When push comes to shove, he's going to go right back to being a wuss. So again, I've said this three times now, the Fed is in reaction mode. And the reaction when things really get nasty is going to be run. They're going to go back to what they know, what they do best. That's print money and cut interest rates. That's how it works. Now, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't think the Fed is even really serious right now about fighting inflation, despite all of this blah, 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 hawkish, 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 we're tough, tough, tough. Remember how balance sheet reduction was supposed to really get going in June? Yeah, it didn't. The plan was for $47.5 billion to come off the books each of the first three months of quantitative tightening. And that was supposed to start in June. Actually, at first it was going to start in May. And then for some unexplained reason, they pushed it back to June. Well, what happened in June? The Fed managed to shed less than $1 billion from its balance sheet during the first month of QT. For those of you who don't like doing math in your head, $1 billion is a lot less than $47.5 billion. Meanwhile, the Fed's mortgage-backed security holdings, they actually increased by over $1 billion. This is the worst balance sheet reduction ever. I mean, they're not reducing it, right? So while the tone coming out of the Fed might be hawkish, the reality, much less so. This is not a central bank that really seems committed to fighting inflation. Now, I have to be honest. I see these drops in the price of both gold and silver as great buying opportunities. I mean, this is basically precious metals on sale, right? We haven't seen it this low in quite a while. Now, do you think it's going to stay this low? I don't. Maybe you do. But we have no idea how long this sale is going to last. So this is where I advise you to not listen to me, but talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist. I mean, obviously, you keep listening to me because I'm awesome and entertaining. But if you want to get the nuts and bolts and figure out how precious metals can fit into your investment portfolio, into your strategy to preserve your wealth, I highly recommend talking to a shift gold precious metal specialist. You can call 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com, or you can just go to shiftgold.com and go to the Getting Started tab, and you can actually chat with a precious metal specialist right there online. Do it today. What do you got to lose? So with that, I got to pack and get ready to fly to Michigan. 
So it's going to be a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shipgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes on the Ship Gold YouTube channel. We're on Stitcher. You'll find links to these things over on the show notes page. And if you want to shoot me an email, I welcome hearing from folks. Got some really interesting emails from uh, listeners over the last couple of weeks. M. Meharry, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shipgold.com. Love to hear from you. So I appreciate the fact that you've listened to the show. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you next week.